Hello and welcome to the Easter edition of my podcast, Cathedral Made of People. This podcast will be based on my blog by the same title. Please remember, I also have a book called Cathedral Made of People, and although it shares the same title, it's very different than the blog or the podcast. My book compares the church today to the church of the New Testament. It shows how far we have strayed from the model that Christ and his disciples set for us and what we need to do to get back there. My book is available in Amazon in both electronic and paperback formats and will be available in Audible coming soon. Now let's get right into episode 19, Prophecies That Prove Christ. The Old Testament is full of prophecies of the Messiah. The religious leaders of Christ's day were looking for a Messiah who would come as a conquering king and save them. They were mixing up the prophecies of the first coming with the prophecies of the second coming. And this was partially due to what they felt they needed at the time. So that's what they saw. So let's take a few minutes to look at the prophecies of the Messiah in the Old Testament. The first one we'll look at is in the instructions that God gave the people of Israel for the first Passover. I'm sure we all remember the story. They had been captive in Egypt for hundreds of years, and God sent Moses to bring them out. We find the instructions for the Passover in Exodus 12, 1-13. Verse 7 tells us, Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lentil of the house in which they eat it. Think about what they were doing. The blood was put there so that when the angel of death saw it, he would pass over their house and no harm would come to them. God told them to put the blood on the two doorposts and at the top. So God is telling them to make the sign of the cross on their doorpost in blood. Here's the thing. The cross wouldn't become a form of capital punishment until approximately 1,500 years later. Numbers 9.12 has this to say about the Passover. They must not leave any of the lamb until the next morning, and they must not break any of its bones. It specifically says that they must not break any of the lamb's bones. We also see this in Exodus 19.46 and in Psalm 34.20. And these are all prophecies of Christ's crucifixion. John 19.32-33 says, So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. This is significant because death on the cross was caused by suffocation. They would have to push themselves up with their legs to take a breath. So breaking their legs to finish them off was part of the process. Also, it's significant. If you look back in uh, Numbers 9, 12, it said, they must not leave any of the lamb until the next morning. Crucifixions often took many days, but Christ was crucified on Friday. So they couldn't leave him on the cross past sundown because that was the Sabbath. So they didn't leave any of the lamb for the next day. The 22nd Psalm was written over a thousand years before the crucifixion of Christ. And yet it starts out in verse 1 by saying, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for you? I know that some may say that Christ was just quoting the psalmist. But the rest of the chapter goes on to describe what Christ went through on the cross. In fact, verses 14 through 18 say, My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. 
You have laid me out in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. It describes the water and the blood coming out of his side and his extreme thirst, even down to the parting of his garments and the gambling for his cloak. So let's look at the prophet Isaiah. If we look at the book of Isaiah, starting at chapter 52, verse 13, then read all the way through chapter 53, verse 12, we see a very clear description of Jesus, proving that he is the Christ, the Messiah. In fact, people have used this passage for thousands of years to preach Jesus to the Jewish people who are still looking for their Messiah. Most of us probably know the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip saw him riding in his chariot, reading from the prophet Isaiah. We see this story in Acts chapter 8. And if you read verses 30 through 34, it says, Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, Do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, How can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the chariot and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his decedence? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, was this prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news of Jesus. This passage is so clearly speaking of Jesus that unless you're blinded by religion, you must admit that it couldn't be talking about anybody else. I have a friend who is very intelligent, and he's a Catholic by religion, but is one of those people who wants to pick and choose what parts of the Bible he wants to believe. Of course, I always tell him that, you know, if you, if you can't believe that the entire Bible is the infallible and errant, verbally inspired word of God, then you might as well not believe any of it. But he believes that the Old Testament was nothing more than the Jewish people making an account of their laws and trying to explain their religion. So the other day I read him this passage from Isaiah, chapters 52 and 53. He had to admit that it was talking about Jesus. Then when I showed him that it was from the Old Testament, he didn't know what to say. He wouldn't admit that I was right about the Bible, but he is thinking. Please pray for this man. I won't give you his name, but God knows who he is. He's 90 years old and trusting on his intellect and the fact that he's a good person to get him to heaven. Now, I realize that this was probably just a refresher for many of you, but I just think it's important that we look back at the proof of Christ. Remember that 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. If you would like a more in-depth look at the prophecies of Christ and the proof of Christ, the book A Case for Christ by Lee Strobel is a great tool. We all know people like the gentleman I just mentioned, although they probably aren't all 90 years old. And we can all use these prophecies to share the good news of Jesus, just like Philip did. Thank you for joining me again this week on this Easter special edition. Please remember to like, subscribe, click that alert button. That all helps a lot. 
But also, if you feel led, please support this podcast with a small monthly donation. It doesn't matter how big or small. It all helps sustain future episodes. You can do this by going to patreon.com slash T.A. Pearson. That's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash T-A-P-E-A-R-S-O-N. Thank you again, as always. Have a blessed week.